be in the house of the Lord today. Let me see your hands. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, you chose the right part, you know, to be in the house of the Lord. You can, you can be anywhere today, but you chose to be here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, you know, just, just like, uh, just like the song, uh, as we gather, I remember that, uh, there's a line there. It says, knowing well that as our hearts begins to worship, we'll be blessed because we came, Amen. right? Amen. You are blessed because you came today. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, today I will, uh, I will speak on a continuation, continuation on the shorelines, studies on the shorelines. Satan on the shorelines, God's warning to believers. And uh, before I begin and start, uh, I have a short video clip to show you. Ready? What do you think? Is there a devil? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's it's in the Bible. Okay. If you have your Bible with you, Please open with me to the book of Revelations in chapter 12, verse 17. And <clears throat> okay, are you there already? It says here, verse 17 of chapter 12, and this one all the way to uh, chapter 13, verse 7. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Chapter 13, verse 1. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his final wound, fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. And authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in the heaven. Verse 7. And it was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nations was given to him. 
All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundations of the world in the book of life, the Lamb who had been slain. Let's bow our heads and let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. Father, I pray that you will give me, give me, Lord, the wisdom, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you will give me a clarity of speech and the simplicity of the gospel, Lord God, will be Preach today, Lord God. Father, may you speak to the hearts of your people, Lord God. Straight from your heart to their hearts, O God, today. Father, we worship you. We give you preeminence in this service today, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, it's, it, it's so hard when you haven't done this for a long, long time. I haven't done this for a long time, more than 10 years. So it's like doing all over again. So if you uh, hear me stutter or repeating again my, the words I'm saying, just say amen. Okay? <laughs> all right? Okay, amen. Praise the Lord. If you love the Lord, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now I'm okay. <laughs> Ludwig Stadenmeier was a German scientist who accepted the idea that the devil was a myth, a personification of repressed subconscious mind. After completing his doctrinal work in chemistry, zoology, and theology, he became obsessed with the desire to explore the boundaries between the natural and the supernatural, to allow the natural sciences to determine as accurately as possible the distinction between pathology and actual satanic manifestations. At the suggestion of a friend, Stadenmeier began experimenting with a psychic technique known as the automatic writing a phenomenon in which the subject learns how to place himself into a trance and then permits unseen forces to write messages through his hand. He soon became quite adept to automatic writing, even though he considered what he wrote to be the product of his subconscious mind. Soon, however, he was disturbed by hallucinations, which rapidly increased in both frequency and severity. One night, as he lay in his bed, he had the distinct feeling of a chain being fastened around his neck and being tightened. Then came the strong odor of sulfur, and a sinister voice saying, You are now my captive. I will never free you. I am the devil. Although clinging to his scientific perspective, Stadenmeyer began to have second thoughts about his adventure. And this is what he wrote in his journal. 
There remains in my mind no doubt that according to a naive medieval perspective, I have become possessed. Therefore, only two alternatives remain. Either I am on the brink of understanding the puzzle of human existence from a new and entirely novel perspective, or I am a fool who has thrown away years of time, health, and perhaps even life itself. He continued to be tormented by hallucinations until he died years later in Rome. Stadenmeyer's experience is, is not unique. People of every culture have sensed or encountered the reality of a personal supernatural evil, spirit being. Now, many people today don't believe in the existence of the devil anymore, just like the video that we've seen. And sometimes even Christians, and I don't know how did they become Christians when, you know, it's written in, in the book there. The devil plainly, it's there. So, to telling them a story like Ludwig Stadenmeyer is for them to look at you kind of with their heads turned a bit to the side and wondering if you have been watching too many late, late night shows on television. Yeah. Most of the world today pictures the devil as a medieval and mythical two-horned, fork-tailed, impish creature. Dressed in red flannel underwear. Yeah? Busily pitching coal into the furnaces of hell. We have seen Satan's existence. It is doubted, denied, or downplayed in the world. But quite the opposite is true in the Word of God. The devil is mentioned seven times in the Old Testament. In Genesis, First Chronicles, Job, he was mentioned 12 times. Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah. He's even mentioned in the New Testament, 19, 19 books in the New Testament. And he is referred by every New Testament writer. Satan seems to thrive best when he is either underestimated, ignored, or denied. If you don't believe in the devil's existence, try working for God for a while. Yeah. Try working for God for a while. You know, when I was preparing this message, three weeks ago, I was... You know, uh, I was, it was late in the night already. It was 2 a.m. I was typing, typing. And I, I just, just the thought was keep on flowing. And then suddenly, the light and the computer just turned off real quick, split seconds. And everything that I typed in got lost. I look in, I look into the, I look into the, uh, the, the, MTS cable box and the light went off also. And in split seconds it came back on. So now starting all over again. I went, I went to, uh, 
our room and check on the uh, the uh, alarm clock because I have to wake up in the morning to go to work. And it was working. So that means only in that area that I was working, when I, where I was typing, doing my message, that the, the, the power came off. And then I realized, this is a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle going on. Billy Graham said, I believe in the devil for three reasons. The Bible plainly says he exists. Secondly, I see his work everywhere. Thirdly, great scholars have recognized his his existence. Now I don't want you to go out there and blame the devil for everything. I want to balance this, you know. And this is not just all devil. And there, actually, there are three opposing adversaries that are against us. Okay? First will be the devil. The second is the flesh. The third is the world. Okay? The devil attacks us, the Christians, through the spiritual realm. The flesh attacks us from the in, from the inward. He attacks the man from the inward. The third enemy, the world, attacks from the outside. The devil attacks us as an individual attacks. But the flesh attacks us through our inward desires. And the world attacks us through the influences that are around us. If you carefully study the Bible, you'll discover that in order to be victorious in each of these areas, you have to understand that victory can be achieved in different and in different and distinct manner. In order to gain victory over the devil, you have to fight the warfare and resist him. Secondly, to gain victory over the flesh, you have to learn what it means to walk in the Spirit. And to gain victory over the world, you must have faith in Jesus Christ who has already overcome the world. Amen? And to say it in another way, to be victorious over the devil, you have to fight. To be victorious over the flesh, you have to flee. To be victorious over the world, you have to forsake its influence by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me drink my water here. Now let's go back to the devil. Now to be victorious over the devil, you have to fight and resist him. James said, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The word of God is very clear that we have an enemy whose plan is to steal, kill, and destroy us. And the Bible identifies who he is. We saw him appeared as the serpent in the garden. Prophet Isaiah spoke of him as the fallen angel. He was the one who provoked to do a census in Israel. We saw him try to tempt the King of glory, Jesus Christ, in the Gospels. 
He even came to Jesus to ask for Peter so he can sift him like a wheat. He provoked Ananias to lie to the Holy Spirit. And we saw him for the last time in Revelations 20.10 where he was cast into the lake of fire. In Genesis, his sentence was, was declared. And in Revelations, his sentence was carried out. In 1 Peter 5.8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary is like uh, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking someone whom he may devour. Satan is the great enemy of the saint. In fact, Satan means adversary. The Bible refers to the devil by a number of names. The anointed cherub, the ruler of demons, the ruler of this world, the god of this world, and the prince and the power of the air. He is identified also as the great dragon, the roaring lion, the vile one, the tempter and the accuser. Satan is alive and well on the planet earth. And he is actively destroying the work and influence of Jesus Christ and the believers. Right now, he is formidable, cunning, and powerful. Charles Swindle said, Our adversary is a master strategist, forever fogging up our minds with smoke screens. Now, Satan attacks. This is the three-pronged attack of Satan. He attacks the Christian, the home, and the church. And how does he accomplish this? The Christian, he is after every individual Christians to destroy their life. He will simultaneously attack you on all fronts. That includes your job, your physical health, your emotional health, your children. He will disrupt, disrupt your finances by stealing from you. He will rob you of your joy, your peace. He will make you believe that God doesn't care for you. He will dissuade you from joining small groups also. And have fellowship with strong, stronger Christians. He will even dissuade you from coming to church today. That's why I ask you if you are glad that you are in the house of the Lord. You said, yes, amen, praise the Lord. Right? Because Satan can dissuade you from coming to church. It happened to me also a long time ago. I was a new Christian at that time. At that time, I was so hot for the Lord. I, have, we, I, I attend Bible study every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Bible study. Wednesday is a midweek, ser- there's a midweek service on a, on a Wednesday. I came home from work one time, really tired. You know, knowing 30 degrees over there, 30, 32 degrees, 35 sometimes. And, you know, coming home at 4, 4 in the afternoon, I was so dead tired. And it was Wednesday. It was uh, a midweek service for us. And I said to myself, I don't want to go to church. I, don't, I just want to rest and, 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 you know, and just lie down and, and rest and be lazy, you know. And, but deep inside me, something is telling me, somebody's telling me, 
to go to church. Something, some, probably the Holy Spirit. I didn't know. I was, I was, I was still young in the Lord at that time. And so, with so much struggle, I finally said to myself, I'm gonna go to church. It was close to the end of the, uh, the, the worship service, last song, and then the preacher came up and started his message. The first few minutes of his message, I realized that the message was exactly for what I was going through that time. If I didn't come and show up to church, I would have missed the blessings of God for me. I would have missed what God has in store for me that day. And so, from then on, I want to make sure that I will be in the church every time. Because I don't want to miss God's blessings. I don't want to miss the fellowship with fellow believers. So, Satan will harass you until you lose your will to fight. You remember, you remember in the, in the book of uh, Samuel, where the Philistines were on the other side of the mountain and the, the children of Israel was on the other side of the mountain. And Goliath was there who keeps on coming every day and, and, and insult God. And, and so the, the, the children of Israel were, were so fearful. Every day, Goliath would come and show up there and taunt them. And so, some of the soldiers, Israelites, would, would, drop, their, would drop their weapons and, and would run and just go back to their family. And this is what the devil will do to you. He will harass you until you lose your will to fight. The devil's plot is to harass you until you lose that fight. If you find yourself during a battle lacking spiritual fortitude, that means little or, or no prayer, no Bible study, no confessing the word of God, and no fellowship with strong believers, you have allowed forces of darkness to break into your will to fight. Now the next one, after the Christian, next is the home. He is after every Christian home to destroy its unity, its purity, and its oneness. Satan's intent is to destroy marriages and families. This is the primary reason for so much divorce, wife abuse, child abuse, and killing today. Families represent heaven on earth. Your family is representative of what God has planned for the universal family. Anything that is representative of God is hated by Satan. He knows that he cannot destroy God, so he will destroy anything that reflects him or his desires. In Matthew 12:25, Jesus revealed a very critical spiritual law. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. The devil is acutely aware of this spiritual law and uses it as a weapon to destroy marriages, 
families, friendships, and any type of partnership. The scheme is so simple. Pit husband against wife, children against their parents, anywhere he can sow this unity in every relationship. And he is very skillful in using the divide and conquer tactic. You know, we have seen when America attacked, <clears throat> attacked Afghanistan, we have seen what they call that, that tactic, uh, uh, awe, you know, uh, I forgot. Shock, shock and awe. Thank you very much. You know, Satan has been employing that tactic, shock and awe. Just remember what he did, what he did to a Job. It was a shock and awe to kill your children and everything, wipe out everything. And even the wife was blaming him. So now we go to the third part. He attacks the Christian, the home, and the third is the church. He is after the church of Jesus Christ to embarrass it publicly, to destroy it nationally, to erode its ministry, to discredit its leaders, and to wipe out its financial base so it can never have its presence in the world of darkness. He will attack prominent pastors and other ministry leaders. When they fall, he parades their failure before the entire world. And once the word spreads through the body of Christ, it leaves some Christians in such awe of the devil that they become spiritually numb and some will backslide. I remember when, when this preachers on TV, televangelists were falling left and right. And I was a new Christian at that time. And I was so, so eager to share the gospel. At that time when, when they, people were seeing it on TV, these are our ministers on TV, televangelists. It made, it made it so hard for me to share the gospel. It was so hard because every time you tell them about the gospel, they will refer to you, to those people on the TV they, they've seen, you know. Because they've seen, They've seen this uh, televangelist. They are really big in the Philippines. So, this is what, what, what the devil is doing. He will file lawsuits that incite legislation against the church, hinder or prevent the preaching of the gospel, and he is doing his job better than he has ever done it. Now, how to resist Satan and defeat him? If you have your Bible with you, I want you to open it in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 17. If we have that on the screen, if we can flash it, please. <clears throat> 10 to 17, if we can. So I'll just read it, and maybe you can read along with me. 
It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, it says there, put on the full armor of God. Now, if you read it carefully, there are six armors there. There are six armors, five of which is for defense. One is for offense. If you read it carefully, you will see it there. This armor covers from head to your feet. Notice that there are no provisions for the backside. There's no provision for the backside. Why? I'll tell you why. Because there are no deserters in God's army. There are no deserters. The man who is fully surrendered to the Lord will never deliberately surrender to the enemy. Amen? We are told and commanded that here that we are to put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. The full armor. You cannot say to yourself, I think I'm going to carry the sword today because it's cool. Right? You cannot say to yourself, I'm going to wear the breastplate only because it's cool. Mm -hmm. Breastplate. But the command here, the command Paul was saying here is to put on the full armor of God. Everything. We are not given the choice which one to put on. And it is a command. And we are not to wait for God to put it on on, for us. We cannot pray, Lord, put it on on me. No. You put it on. Because this is your personal duty to put it on. It is your primary duty. It is your paramount duty. It is your perpetual duty to put it on all the time. Turn with me to the book of Romans 13, 14. And really quickly, I'm running out of time here. I want to promise you that uh, before lunchtime, we will go home. <laughs> before foodie-goodie time, <laughs> we will go home. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Romans. It says here, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provisions for the flesh in regard to its lust. It says there, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, 
put on the whole armor of God. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the armor of God. Amen? And now, uh, hold on to that thought for a few minutes. Okay? I want to go, uh, I want to go to 1 Corinthians 1.30. If you can show that, uh, please. 1 Corinthians 1.30. By, by, but by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now it says here, Jesus didn't give us wisdom. Read, read it for yourself. Jesus didn't give us wisdom. But instead, Jesus became wisdom for us. You see that? You see that in the scriptures? Jesus did, didn't give us righteousness, but He came, He came to us and became our righteousness, right? He became our sanctification, He became our redemption. So He didn't give us, He didn't give us wisdom, but instead He became our wisdom. He didn't give us righteousness, but instead He became our righteousness. Now, in the book of Psalms, David says, He is my rock, He is my fortress, He is my deliverer, He is my stronghold, my refuge, my shield, and my buckler. He is not only our provider, He Himself becomes our provision. Jesus not only provides everything that we need, but He becomes everything that we need. We cannot stand before God with our own righteousness. So he, he became our righteousness. Jesus doesn't just provide what He promises. He becomes what He promised to provide. Jesus doesn't only promise that we will be resurrected. He tells us that He is the resurrection. Now, so go back to, to Romans thirteen fourteen. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the armor of God. Now seeing that He is our buckler, our refuge, our deliverer, our fortress, our shield, our stronghold. Now we can safely say that the armor of God is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. You know, it was a big revelation to me when I was doing this study. To see Him as my armor. The armor of God is none other than Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus is the armor of God. Jesus not only provides the armor, He Himself becomes our armor. Amen. Jesus is not only our provider, He Himself becomes our provision. So if you want to resist and defeat the devil... Just put on the Lord Jesus Christ and He can promise you victory after victory. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. For in the time of trouble... 
He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. If God be for us, who can be against us? For we are more than conquerors through Him who love us. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have Jesus, you have everything, folks. If you have Jesus, you have everything. You have everything in Jesus. He is the all-inclusive deal that you are looking for. He is the armor of God that will defeat the enemy. He is the one that will give you victory, victorious life you are looking for. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I pray, Lord, I pray that you will, you will, you will put this to heart and, and believe that, that Jesus is your armor. Tomorrow, after this, when we go out, the fighting starts again. You know, it never quits. Put on the full armor of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope you were blessed. Amen. I'd like to call on Pastor Allen.